0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Star Trek The Pod Directive. I don't know which numbered episode it is because we record these out of order, but it's the next one you're hearing. My name's Tony Newsom.
1: If you listen to the last one, this is the next one. There's no way around that.
0: No, that will see its day in court and I will be found victorious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> History will be on, on your side judging you uh, softly with your song. Who are you? Who am I? Why, I'm Paul F. Tompkins, one of your co-hosts.
0: Oh, and I'm Did, one of your co-hosts. <laughs> Just two people who've fallen down a flight of stairs oh and then stood God. up and are looking at each other trying to figure out how to communicate.
1: <laughs> 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 oh, It is like we both have amnesia and we're trying not to let the other person know that, that <laughs> yeah. we have it.
0: <laughs> Me? Of course I know where I work. I drive there. No, here. I...
1: Definitely know where I am and who I am. <laughs> well, so,
0: how many boats do you have?
1: <laughs> the normal amount. And Shonda
0: Rhymes hit me up. The double amnesiacs meet cute. I don't ah. know what that is, <laughs> but there's something there.
1: We have a wonderful episode today because we are talking with the delightful John Hodgman. This guy is an old buddy of mine. We've known each other for a long time. You know him. Mm -hmm. You've hung out with this dude. You've been Mm -hmm. on stage with him.
0: I once texted him about bed bugs. Does that count as a friendship?
1: (laughs) I think that's very intimate and yes it does. He
0: once I don't know I didn't know you
1: guys were on bed bug terms.
0: He once flippantly told uh, my oldest friend, Steph, and I. We were at uh, SF Sketch Fest, <laughs> which we mentioned in this episode. We were backstage, and he was talking mm-hmm. at length about bedbugs. And he jokingly said, if you ever think you have bedbugs, text me and I'll tell you. And six months later, Stephanie and I went on a trip to the Caribbean. We stayed in a weird little place, and we thought we had bedbugs. And she said, text John Hodgman. <laughs> and I did just that, and I did not have bed bugs.
1: <laughs> I, You know, I once, well... Uh, someone that I live with, that I'm married to, once thought we had bed bugs because I was about to do a uh, uh, a job that I was very stressed out about, and I woke up one morning and I had um, marks on my arms mm-hmm. that she that were very itchy, and she Googled, and they looked enough like bed bug bites that mm. she was convinced we had bed bugs until we did another Google search, and they turned out to just be stress hives. Um, oh, no. which vanished the next day. I'd never had that before. It was the weirdest thing. But for a good, I'm going to say a good two, three hours, we thought, <laughs> I guess we have to burn our mattress. That's terrifying. <laughs> I wish we'd known to text Hodgman. We could have saved some yeah. time.
0: <laughs> next time, text Hodgman. Um, the Trek equivalent of bedbugs, they're always like absolute, they're sentient, they're intelligent, and they like turn into, like what was that? Didn't Wesley have an issue with like the nanobots? Yeah, 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 Anyway, yeah. I digress yet again. But those those were Trek bedbugs. Were <laughs> these little intelligent <laughs> microscopic robots who robots were who fucking up the ship.
1: And by that time, Hodgman's centuries dead. He can't help you unless no, they preserved cannot. him in a hologram.
0: It was fun listening to you two chat because you've known each other so long. Um, <laughs> there was some gentle ribbing going on. All in all, it was I dare a, say. A, a, comfy, a comfy, delightful little chat with with your pal john i i enjoyed it he's a big tng fan and we talk about why that is and get into what it was for him um i feel like he watched tng at a pretty formative time in his life he said he was watching it in mm-hmm. college i tried to yeah. think when we were talking i tried to think what was i like watching religiously in college and i can't really think of anything i don't remember that being a big tv time for me what were you watching in college
1: it was not well you know i'm famously a college dropout uh i got my education on the streets And I don't remember watching a ton of TV in that time myself. I think I was because I was also um, I was starting stand up and I was working day jobs and stuff. And I don't Mm -hmm. I don't think I had access to a TV for a while. (laughs) As as sometimes happens when you are younger. Um, I did not have access to a lot of media. Mm -hmm. But I do remember watching TNG in prime time when it came out when I was young, Mm. Um, but older than John. But I, I guess I would have been in my I would have been in my late teens early. Tw- so, yeah, I would have been like around college time, but I fell off. I, I think I watched like the first couple seasons and then uh, mm. no more TV for me as I am counting change to buy food.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I also didn't watch a lot of TV because mine was during that w- weird land between where like nobody really wanted to bother with cable, but the streamings weren't a thing yet. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think I watched
1: much. This was the time before the streamings.
0: Heresy, there was no before. Only now. Only streamings now.
1: The elders know you are young and have much to learn.
0: (laughs) Fie, I say. Fie on you. I shall ask the elders myself. What time time period
1: are we in? I don't know. Fie made an appearance. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> do you think FIFO and Fum get sad that they don't get as much airtime as their buddy Fie? Anyway, should we get to the interview?
1: Uh, Fum, let's do it.
0: All right. We're going to uh, let you listen to us chatting with good old John Hodgman right after this break.
1: From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes.
2: So it's happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could say we could say it's happening, Paul. What do you think? Is it happening?
1: You know what I think? It is happening. With Hodgman, John Hodgman. Hello, John
2: Hodgman.
1: I mean, look at what's happened. Look,
2: we're we're te- <laughs> we're teleconferencing. It's true. <laughs> the future has become real. It's true. We're view screening mm-hmm. each other. On you screen, know? indeed. That's right. On screen. This is how we talk. You're right. Do you think that on any iterations of the Enterprise or the other spaceships, when they were look, excuse me, starships? When they were looking at the view screen, the eyeline problems, like they didn't know where to, where to look.
1: <laughs> That's why they made the view screen so big is right? that you it automatically, you look like you have the right eyeline, right? You, you have to try not to look in the right direction.
2: Do you think they ever asked for the, for the view screen to be sort of tilted up and down a little to get a better angle on? Cause I mm-hmm. like a little, I look a little from the top stuff to- mm-hmm. you know to de-emphasize my neck meat. You know sure what I mean? right I sure.
1: think that um the the challenging part is you know if you're when you're talking to one person uh and they're up on the screen of course they fill the screen but when you're talking to when the other person's talking to like the bridge of the enterprise right yeah what are they seeing are they There's- seeing just like it are they seeing everybody like Galler- the, ga- gallery view the, the the guy with no lines in the back <laughs> Who's pretending to look at
2: some dots? Yeah, right. Uh, it must be such a pain if you're the guy in the back, just doing your work at your little workstation there, and you know that Captain Picard or whoever has called up the the Romulan, who's you know got the missiles trained on the ship, mm-hmm. and like you know that you're in the shot, so you can't yeah. pick your nose or anything.
1: Yeah, like you you now are you like. Can't oh. hide. There's Look, be- I'm just trying to collate this data. I don't want to be a part of this negotiation. If you go to the bridge, you have to be camera ready at all times. At <laughs>
2: all <laughs> times. There is
0: no, oh, can we just do no video on this one, guys? Can we do no, <laughs> right. no video on this skirmish in the neutral zone, guys? Right, please.
2: Right. <laughs> yeah, and you have to sign You have to sign a release, too, before you go on the bridge. You have to sign a release. Oh, sometimes. no. Oh, every no. single Always. time. <laughs> every, every time.
1: <laughs> and
0: you know the residuals during any of those communications are not great. No. Next to nothing.
1: You have to chase them down. They're not just (laughs) you can't rely on them to send it. Mm -hmm. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly.
0: This also brings up a question I've always had, which is where is the camera in the Mm -hmm. screen? Yeah, right. And a thing I've noticed, which is that you'll get different angles. So let's say you're on the Klingon ship, we're we're looking into theirs. When it reverses and shows what the Klingons see, sometimes you see the whole bridge. Sometimes you'll just see kind of a close-up. So I'm like,
2: we're getting close-ups on the on the view screen here? Who's directing the, the 19 cameras? Do you know what I mean? Who's in charge of mm-hmm. selecting gallery view? That's an view? interesting
1: episode of a show, I think, is the director of the telescreen yeah. for each <laughs> ship.
2: Let's go to four. Let's go to four. Roll on four.
1: <laughs> and pushing closer. And he's angry. Let's, let's get a nice zoom in there. Just go, go nice in there. He's got some lovely veins popping out.
2: Uh, I'll tell you, you know, one of the great signifiers of the future in Star Trek and other science fiction stuff is the visual telephoning, right? Mm-hmm. That was always a big, along with jetpacks, that was a big signifier of this is the future. And the jetpacks never materialized, but now we've got it. We've got, we've got the, tele, the video telephoning thing. Everybody resisted it until it was absolutely necessary because it's terrible. It's terrible. This is, this is, I mean, I love seeing your faces. I miss you both very much, but this is a hard way to communicate with other people. Don't you think it's
1: now it is, but I will say this. And I've thought this many, many times during this, uh, situation that we are in. Sure. We're so lucky that we have this. Yes, that's true. Because, you know, the, the idea when, when people are, are saying, well, I have to be home for Thanksgiving. First of all, come on. Thanksgiving. No. Like I, I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh-huh. I love Thanksgiving, but Christmas is also coming up. There's other holidays like that. You might as well be saying, "I gotta be there for Fourth of July. Gotta right. be there. I can't right. not see my family. Right. You gotta be there." The whole reason that we crawled out of the slime was so that we could do <laughs> things like this, and we could still preserve ourselves as a species. Mm-hmm. So we we now have this, so we can we can see each other from far away. Um and hopefully we don't have to do this forever but right. you know it's it's as as uh, cuz I John I know exactly how you feel that there's times where man this is a real drag this is a real drag this is the only way we can see people but at least we get to see people and I try to I have to yeah. constantly yes. remind myself of that.
2: No my my contention was this is a real drag because we have to see people which is to say <laughs> <laughs>
0: You don't want which any of it. <laughs> which is to say,
2: I am excited to see your your lovely faces, and and this is good social. This is good for socializing or whatever, but for like rut, routine interstellar negotiations, I'd rather be on a phone call. Do you know what I mean? I find that like
1: profes- <laughs>
2: professionally, the and even though I am arguably have been a performer at times, but professionally, I find. This weird, like, uh, a self-consciousness about how I look. Mm-hmm. Not only mm-hmm. am I listening to what you're saying, but I'm also tracking what you're each doing. I'm trying to present myself. as There's just a lot of extra, I don't know, mental work that goes on that makes Zoom meetings
1: mm-hmm.
2: more mm-hmm. tiresome than than phone calls. I got you. But podcasts, it's a delight. It's a delight.
0: No, <laughs> no I know what you mean. It's true. In a way, we are that... Yeoman in the back who has to be camera ready. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess we're all in a way Picard and some random helmsman. Yeah. And it is like a, yeah, it, it's an added bit of energy that you have to put forth. I also think, though, that like it is uh, changing how we communicate and how we speak. Because now anytime I speak to a person's flesh face... <laughs> like in a in a live setting. I'm sorry, I said flesh face.
2: I'm not sorry at all. That's the new that's the term. That's the term. I,
0: I, I think weirdly I'm experiencing what's the opposite of a delay. <laughs> <laughs> but in real time with people, I feel like I'm anticipating glitches or This is hard to explain, but I do feel like I'm anticipating a a difficulty in communicating that is not there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a result of me being on this uh, view screen machine for what feels like 37 hours of every day.
2: Yeah, But let's face it, it's fun to see each other. It really is. Yeah.
0: And for them, for Picard and them, you don't want to handle that shit on a phone call. You want to see the forehead aliens, especially when they're new, weird forehead situations you want to be like what's this dude all about how dark is the ship I feel like you could always tell if it was going to be friendly or or contentious based on how shadowy and dark the ship was and how like ripped and ragged their costuming was
2: yeah 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 if they were wearing a lot of burlap sacks that that was a signifier for sure yeah by the
1: way have you guys read Picard and Them by Harper Lee (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah I guess you're right I mean
2: I guess a, I guess a view into the other ship is probably valuable information but if I were just if I, just as a matter of routine I would just like can I just uh can I can I just put this into my earbuds and pace around in my ready room and look at my fish while we talk you know what I mean it
1: is uh, funny to think of high-level negotiations being uh, <laughs> uh taking place while someone's folding laundry yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> We don't see a lot of laundry in the, in the Star Trek universe. Maybe they, do we? Just, they no. make new clothes no. every new day. New clothes
2: every day, right? That's what a
0: replicator's for. Oh, that's so confusing. That's how is that not wasteful? I don't fully understand how you replicators reuse aren't the, wasteful. You
2: reuse the molecules. <laughs> so you just feed your dirty uniform back into the replicator? Yeah, I, I would imagine so. Right? This has to have been addressed. There has to be canon on this issue. Yeah. But yeah, if you've got a replicator that makes new food, like what do you do with the leftover food? You throw that back in the replicator, takes those molecules, makes more Earl Grey hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a self sustaining thing.
1: There's gotta be a better way for you know your holodeck costumes to be acquired than you, you have to make them in your room and then you have to walk <laughs> all the way to the holodeck in your you know, taming of the shrew outfit.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Everyone's yeah, like, yeah,
0: they, oh, they would you'd walk, be in Kate again, huh?
1: <laughs> they would walk to the holodeck.
2: I, hang uh-huh. on, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting word from a, a higher authority. Items thus disposed of serve to fuel the replicator and could potentially become other items in turn. Once a meal, that, now, so grand. i I'm, <laughs> this could this could be Star Trek trivia or a scripture that I didn't know, <laughs> some passage from the Bible. Once a meal was finished, the used dishes, utensils, and uneaten inedible portions could be placed back inside the replicator to be automatically
1: recycled. All right. Thank you, hire. Thank you, computer. That's incredible. Yeah. The, The plates makes me think that they forgot to do plates at first. Uh huh. Yeah. It's like they would ask for like a spaghetti marinara, and then it'd just be like a pile of spaghetti that you had to pick up with your hands. <laughs> also, make uh-huh. me a plate. It's like dealing with a genie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got to give it a full like. Yes, a fork, please. <sighs> uh, very, very. The literal. first time it just threw hot cocoa everywhere <laughs> <laughs> in a cup. <laughs>
2: oh you're so literal computer
0: <laughs> oh it's very amelia bedelia um john you're a yes. big tng fan um was that your first we like to ask people what their first contact was what was your first contact with trek
2: well i am a very elderly so i <laughs> i'm true. i did not see the original series during its original run but i was born in the year 1971 So I was watching, you know, it was part of my, um, the the menu of syndicated options, television options to me. You had uh, all kinds, you know, I think it was on Channel 56 they would run, you know, Benny Hill and also Star Trek. (laughs) Get Smart was Channel 25, I think. Uh, Definitely Brady Bunch was 56. In any case, TOS was on rotation, I believe Channel 56 in the Boston area. And if I got that wrong, fine. Because I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't get into it. I I was not, as a youth, I did not find Star Trek, great. I I liked it. It was fine, but I, I was not enchanted by it. I think mm. thinking back, particularly in contrast to the Next Generation, there's a lot of machismo to Captain Kirk that did not speak to young asthmatic Tweedy Hodgman. I loved cool. Spock. Spock was cool. You know what I mean? By the way, uh. uh newton massachusetts own uh, leonard nimoy oh i did not know that so the original series, like i did not get into captain kirk he was too rapscallion too mm. m- macho too much for me and so it was just part of the overall palette of my culture um i went to see star trek the motion picture when it came out i think i was as confused as anyone else was about it um <laughs> loved star trek the wrath of Khan. star trek to the wrath of Khan because they made it a rollicking adventure, which is what Star Trek wanted to be on some level, as well as a story about a future society and a, and a different way of interacting with other creatures and a different way of interacting with different beings. You know what I mean? But it was also fun. <laughs> but the next generation got me, and I remember, I you know, I was obviously curious about it, and I saw it the premiere at Damon Graff's house, uh, Encounter at Farpoint. <laughs> and I think, I think the thing that I liked first of all about it was that that guy from Dune was in it, Patrick Stewart. I liked that. <laughs> I liked, I immediately cottoned to him because he was not a uh, macho. He was mm-hmm. uh, a thoughtful, highly professional, highly considerate leader mm-hmm. who was not going to go down to the planet, which was even to my 16 year old knowledge of, uh, naval procedure yeah the captain probably stays on the ship (laughs) probably (laughs) probably probably is protected on the ship you know and then of course john delancey swoops in on that Mm -hmm. huge uh, motorized arm as q in his ridiculous judge costume which i think about every day at least and starts putting humanity on trial i'm like oh this is very thinky i like this thinky professional calm so they kind of had me from there so that and then and then i really i really got into it once i got to college a couple of years later when it was on every night on uh, the local television station and it was um i started to follow the characters and get into the lore and and was just enchanted by it did you ever go back and revisit the original series no no Mm -hmm. i mean i i (laughs) I realized that what I was getting out of The Next Generation was something that the original series would never give me. Right. The original series, I mean, obviously a trio of three characters who have a beautiful interaction with each other. Obviously, the original series represented the best of science fiction of its time and was groundbreaking societally in in a lot of ways but not in a way that hit me particularly strongly because the fact that there was a black woman on the bridge was not revolutionary to me because there was always a black woman on the bridge. That's because of what star Trek pioneered the international or international seeming and interracial casting was just, that's the way the world is. So that was a good, that was a good thing for me to see, not a great thing for me to take for granted. Right. Right. But I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't spark to it as like, that's an amazing vision of the future. I'm like, that's what the vision of the future should be naturally, you know, because Star Trek was already there. But what I got from the next generation was not merely Picard, but a whole group, and I would dare say family, of basically well-balanced, highly professional, empathetic, decent people who were all working together to do their job in a non-dramatic way. Mm-hmm. And I've said this before on my podcast, the Judge John Hodgman podcast, available at MaximumFun.org every Wednesday. And I'll say it again now. It's like, to me, the the disappointment of every episode was when something happened. Mm. Like, they were so non-dramatic interpersonally that Mm. I just reveled in their professionalism, Mm -hmm. their decency to one another, definitely their tidiness. That ship looked tidy. (laughs) I wanted, I just wanted one episode that was routine mission. They go to survey a planet, do it, go home. Like Anytime something would break, would break the, the, the serenity of Star Trek, the next generation, I'd, would, I'd would be like, I know that you have to do this. I know you have. Like, and you know, when Jean-Luc Picard becomes a, becomes Locutius of Borg, of course that's necessary because you love him so much you hate to see him transformed that way i know you have to do it star trek the next generation but just give me one just give me one where nothing happens just like so just well, the you're hum pitching. Of the, i just want to hear the hum of the ship. you know
0: <laughs> they ha- that's available on youtube you can definitely hear the hum <laughs> yeah. of the okay, enterprise good. d and use yeah. it as a sound machine to go to sleep sure um What you're pitching, and I'm not mad at this, and I think there's room in the franchise as, you know, we keep making like 400 new shows every year. Yes. I think there's room for an ambient Star Trek show with no plot. It's just all ambiance. It's just setting and vibe.
2: You're talking about the ASMR enterprise? (laughs) I mean, a little
0: bit. Yeah. Yeah. But there could be like there could be dialogue. It just can't Mm -hmm. be about shit. Like
1: it
2: could just
0: be like pleasantries, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, if (laughs) if TNG did a lower decks episode, they could certainly there's certainly room in the Star Trek universe for one of the one of the properties to do just an episode (laughs) where uh, here's what we set out to do. And we're doing it. We're doing it. We're doing it. And we did it. Roll credits. Uh, It just, you know, it just was so,
2: so, so soothing and so instructive too to see people working in a professional relationship like that together and supporting each other. Mm-hmm. And I me understand a lot about sort of structure of organizations and when, when it's okay to lose your feces and when it's, when you got to hold it together, <laughs> how you approach people when there's conflict. Like I was an only child. So, and still am, I think, uh, <laughs> 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 you know figuring out figuring out how to interact with other humans you know productively and and to manage conflict was a, something i was still learning into my 20s for sure you know when i was watching it at college like figuring like i i was very much a data trying to figure out how humans are and mm-hmm. star trek was a real
1: model for that i think it's just
2: t- so tidy it was
1: now you're both only children, and it never occurred to me to see to be to look at it from that dynamic of being like a young person, <laughs> getting a taste of interpersonal dynamics from Star Trek and how people are supposed <laughs> to treat each other. Do you feel that that had an impact on your lives in in terms of like how to deal with other people, how to how to kind of be in a in a faux family of sorts. I didn't know you were an, an only child.
0: I am, yeah. And um, and my parents were not together from a very early age for me. So uh, I lived in, yeah, in like two households mm-hmm. and neither was a big household. Like there were no children in either household other than me. So I don't know if growing up, if I if I was doing that, like learning from Star Trek, I didn't put that together. But I do know that Now, when I, even as an adult, whenever I observe uh, siblings, like sibling relationships, I'm always kind of just like, huh, is that how that goes? All right. (laughs) Like, I still don't really get it at all. Like, and I know they're all so different. There's no one way to be siblings. But I'm still constantly surprised when I see people relate to their sibling in a way that I didn't know was an option. Yeah. I mean, so I feel, maybe I'm still kind of a data, just sitting here yeah. trying to learn from
2: good old Joe Piscopo
0: how to how to move through the world.
2: <laughs> I think like I'm definitely downloading upgrades to my programming that is making <laughs> yeah. me more
1: human-like.
0: Yeah, if you're asking if I'm a robot, yeah,
2: Paul,
1: yeah. I mean, I'm not right, a human person. We I didn't know are. if yeah. it was polite to come out and ask that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You know that the but the family aspect of it. You know, I I just watched last night for the first time since it aired the final two episodes of the Next Generation, all all good things parts one and two. I did the whole. I did both. Mm-hmm. I'm a completist of that particular <laughs> two-run arc, two-episode arc. That's good. Yeah. Um. But I hadn't I hadn't watched it. And you know when when you'd asked me to be on this and asked me if there were any episodes that I wanted to. You know, talk about or focus on for some reason. I snapped to those two, and I had not thought about them really since they aired. Mm. And I think partly because they, you know, I saw, I saw the first episode, of Encounter at Farpoint, just before I went to college. I watched the Next Generation throughout college, and then the series came to an end more, you know, just about a year after I finished college. And so now I had seen and lived with this group for. Uh, three big phases of my life and it was coming to an end and i and i was very sad about it you know Mm -hmm. and i i remember watching the episode and feeling very bittersweet about it at the time but also appreciating you know we all move on they're coming out with voyager soon deep space nine is Mm -hmm. happening still it's going to be fine but when watching those two episodes in, in many ways that was so the the story of the two episodes is that Jean-Luc Picard, has become unstuck in time, right? And he's he's experiencing a version of the future, which ends up being kind of like a, a, a first draft version of the TV show Picard. But he's in the future confronting uh, uh, weird memories of the past that he doesn't remember. And then he's in the present tense of the show. And then he'll snap back to the very first time he set foot on the Enterprise. And he begins to realize that there's a problem happening in the neutral zone, a space-time anomaly that exists in all three timelines that is connected in some way. And only he can perceive this shift in time. Later, we learn that Q has purposefully unstuck him in time to give him yet another challenge. And Q gets to wear that incredible judge's robe again. It's a big, full-circle episode. And, uh, you know, he solves the mystery. He's tested again. Humanity is tested again. They win. And then it's the end. And in many ways... It's beautifully written and it's like wonderful to see these flashbacks to the 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 costume designs of the first episode and where everyone was at that point, and then to visit this potential future where Riker is now the captain of the enterprise and you know that it's the future enterprise because it's got three nacelles. Whoa, you really modded <laughs> that thing out.
1: <laughs>
2: but in many, in many ways, it's just a reminder that this is a family that has been together for a long time. And while there is this space-time anomaly and this mystery that needs to be solved and the fate of the human race is at stake in many ways it feels very much like the episode i always wanted where it's just routine it's just character service yeah and it ends of course with a very small moment where captain picard finally joins the main characters in their whatever weekly poker game or whatever for the first Mm -hmm. time and he says i wish i had done this years ago (laughs) And Troy says very passive aggressively, you are always welcome. And then that's the last time <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> And then as though to emphasize it's not our fault you weren't yeah. here. <laughs> and as to emphasize the the full circleness of it, like we've gone back to see them as they first met, and the and then where they may go in the future, but now here we are with them one last time. And the camera goes overhead, circles around the circular poker table, and then that that fades into the circle of the saucer section from scene from above, right? And I was like, yeah, that's a beautiful ending to this show. It was a fitting farewell, but it also in that moment made me realize why, with all due respect, the Next Generation cast movies never really clicked for me. Mm. Because, you know, the Next Generation was spending time with your friends and your family, right? That's the kind of show it was. It was a surrogate family show. You went there to see your friends and family. Yes, they went on adventures, but not like Kirk did. Kirk, you know, Captain Picard didn't have decades-long grudges against Ricardo Montalban that ate him away inside and he needed to work it out through, you know, wrestling a lizard or whatever. Like, Captain Picard was more or less a stable human being. (laughs) So to send them off on these various adventures, like feature-length movie adventures, well, some of those movies are terrific... It always felt like, yeah, can we just let's play poker. Let's just play poker. We don't have to go we don't have to go fight F Murray Abraham on a on a planet. You know what I mean? Like that's not what this Disagree. is about. Disagree. <laughs> really? You like F Murray Abraham? I mean, look, I, I love, love F Murray Abraham. He's in. Yeah. Uh,
0: he's great. I, I love him. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. That's insurrection, right? Yes that's the one where picard's just wearing that um wilson's leather open blazer <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the whole time just a, a buttonless blazer running yeah around. they
2: they take off their uniforms because the the the, se- the secret society within starfleet is going to sell out this planet to give to this other the f Marie oh, right, to make everybody young again wrinkly face Look. race
0: I love that one. I know it's that one's a controversial movie, but I that's I love that one. I love everyone just being like, I feel young for some reason. Let's open <laughs> our shirts and be weirdly tan. There's just so much bronzer. <laughs> Ugh. I dig it. I love it. I mean, I get what you're saying about, you know, one thing that I've realized through doing these talks with people for this pod is that everyone who has like a, a, a their Trek they they might feel a little bashful about saying like, just this one, just this one, please. Because I think, you know, there's a lot of like talk in the fandom about being inclusive and about being open to all the new series. And I think both conversations are valid because all the series are so different that yeah. I think it's okay for you to just have your little thing and you just want it where it was and it was perfect for you. You weren't as interested in the movies. It didn't make you interested to go back because the original series is more, you know, it's almost like watching a Western or something yeah. compared to these... Scientific morality plays that are the yes. core of uh, uh, TNG, so I think it makes perfect sense. And yeah, I I totally get why I totally get your feelings I, I, about I'm,
2: it. I'm not saying that the that the movies are bad. I mean, I love First no. Contact. Do you know what I mean? And oh yeah, I for me it was just like my what what is my family doing on this adventure? I just want to see them do their thing again. Mm-hmm. And that's just me. That doesn't mean. And I I watched. A lot of Deep Space Nine, a lot of Voyager. I enjoy Discovery a lot. I watch Picard. I love, I love it all. I love it all. I'll watch all of it. Do you know what I mean? And the the original series, it has you know, it's it's an it's an amazing work of art in itself, right? And I love, mm-hmm. of course, Search for Spock, James duhanna Scotty picking up that uh, Macintosh computer mouse and going computer, trying to talk to it yes. to create transparent aluminum. Love it all. Love it all. Don't get me wrong, but the, to me TNG
1: that's that's my homestone. I think that the big difference in, in the um in the movie versions of TOS and TNG is that the TOS movies allow for more uh of the relationships uh, yeah. of the characters and the TNG movies allow for less oh, where it's it's much more about the um mm. about the story and you know of course how it affects each character individually but it's not so much about the relationships because there is on TNG there's so much about them hanging out and you know who's friends with each other you know who's best friends with each other you know right you know who's who's had past relationships but are are still like in a in a friendship of sorts and it's much more reflecting the relationships that we know yes as opposed to TOS which is just like here's the story Here's the thumbnail sketch of these characters this is what they are like. We know yeah. that they're friends. The end. You know. And
2: who and who knows if given seven seasons, TOS would have developed into something like that. Right. I mean, it's just a different structure. You just, it was primarily a story about these three white male friendships, right? Mm-hmm. And, and these three beautifully drawn characters that you enjoy their dynamic very much. Plus an incredible supporting cast who are supportive in the movies and at its core, You know, everyone knows, of course, Gene Romney sold his wagon train to the stars or whatever. It is Western. And at its core, you have this gunslinger in in James Kirk who makes a good movie hero, right? That's a good, Mm -hmm. he's out there. He Mm -hmm. wants to be in the mix. That's what makes, Wrath of Khan is one of the most beautifully constructed screenplays. And Nicholas Meyer, I think, you know, is genius for for figuring out that Captain Kirk was having a a midlife crisis. And he wanted to be, wanted to be out there adventuring all the time and had to learn to not do that all the time you know to grow up you know so i think Mm -hmm. you know it's there are many beautiful ways to interact with those big three but you're right paul because the next generation and arguably all that follow are really much more ensemble pieces rather than a small a triple hander as it were with the, the big three in star trek tos
0: Another episode that you mentioned loving, and this is a rare one. We haven't heard a lot of people mention that they love uh, "Lonely Among Us" from yeah. season three, season two of TNG, season
2: one, episode seven. I know that. Oh, of because, course, it's season
0: one because Tasha's in it.
2: Yeah. Also, I was maniacally Wikipediaing it before I joining the <laughs> Zoom <laughs> because, because I did not I did not have a chance to rewatch that one. Mm-hmm. Um. And you I was didn't like, want
0: to look a fool in front of us, just these these harsh, <laughs> harsh pure. Well, because
1: I remember we're the gatekeepers. N- I recall we'll, call you I out. Keep if, that you're, gate. if you're a fake geek girl, we'll call you out.
0: Oh, we'll call you out. Name three songs ah! by that band on your sweatshirt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I freaked out for a second. I'm like, what sweatshirt am I wearing? I didn't realize you were doing it. Why why, why am I why am I wearing a band sweatshirt? Did, did, did I, did I <laughs> Do you know you put on your corn sweatshirt? Did I pass out and, and get dressed corn? by someone else? Corn. <laughs> Slipknot. Um <laughs> The Lonely Among Us. What what is the plot of this episode? I don't remember. I okay, did the not plot ha- is,
0: <laughs> these lizard people and these rat people are trying to eat each other. I only know this because uh before I watched it recently, um, somebody asked if a, an episode of Lower Decks that we did was related to this episode, because uh-huh. it was a similar yeah. Yeah, cannibalism between species things. It was not. These are different races of people. Uh. <laughs> so um, but,
2: that was that's the part that I was interested in. I'm sorry, Tony. I didn't mean to jump in there.
0: Oh, no, no, no. Not at all. That is uh, That's almost like the B story, which yeah. is wild, because that would normally be the A story of a TNG episode, which is like, hey, these people are trying to eat each other. We got to keep them apart. That's going to take up all the bandwidth yeah. on this story.
2: There is an there yeah there is an a story that has nothing to do with nothing. the snake people and the dog people who are right. who are delegates. And I was looking I was looking up on Wikipedia to try to remember what the names of these species because you never see them again. And I oh yeah, it's like the Antikins and the that's right the the uh, and the Antikins and I think the Seale. Are the hissy reptile people, and the Antikins sure. are the rat, the ratty rodenty, toothy doggy people, and there are two <laughs> delegations that are being escorted to some peace conference between the two of them because they don't like each other, mm-hmm. and then something, <laughs> then then uh, then someone gets m- murdered, and then it becomes yeah. data uh, solving the mystery of who murdered this person and has nothing to do with either the snakes or the dogs. <laughs> they right. are true background. And this is, this was the episode. So even though I loved, you know, John Delancey's cue, Q. I think everyone would agree that the first few episodes of Star Trek, the next generation, they were finding their footing at, the, at to say the least. Sure. This was the episode where I'm like, I'm in, I'm in for this show because it was just this one moment. this one line where, The problem is that the Seelay are, I believe, are vegetarians, and the Antikins are very dedicated carnivores. It's one of the worldview issues that separates them. Mm -hmm. And Data is making Sherlock Holmesian inquiries to find out who murdered Engineer Singh. And already I'm on board. I'm like, oh, this is is like a... I'm I'm, I'm watching Miss Marple up in here. You know what I mean? This isn't Wagon Train to the Stars. (laughs) This is a, a, a... Masterpiece Theater presents mystery with an Edward Gory <laughs> opener. Like, I'm, this is what I want. And he goes to uh, interrogate or, you know, ask the different species where they were when the murder happened. <laughs> and the Antikin representative goes, and we were having dinner. I'm paraphrasing here, but I've remembered it ever since. <laughs> uh, we were dining at that time. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and Data goes, for nine hours? And he goes, it was a very interesting creature <laughs> <laughs> or something like so it was a very intricate or interesting creature and data was like all right oh, all right
0: i know it had some wild well that's because that's where we learn at the end that they had eaten the the Sila person
2: mm-hmm. oh is
0: that what happened <laughs> right because at the end tasha the The button on the end of the whole episode, Tasha runs in and she's like, there's a pile of blood outside the Sila's quarters and what are the Sila's missing? And everyone's just like, well, that's negotiating in space. I, to me, I just,
2: I don't remember how it ended. I don't remember anything else about the episode. I just remember the scene and I was just like, all right, right, you got me. Like, that's an incredible line. Mm -hmm. It is a line that, that suggests, that is so suggestive, not only of something really gross. But also a, com- mm-hmm. a legitimately a legitimately alien worldview, right? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> this is our our, I, and I'm sorry for the for you know vegans and vegetarians who are listening, but like our culture, the fact that their culture evolves around, you know what I'm saying. This is a very large yeah. and interesting creature that they had to eat yeah, it took nine yeah. hours, like, mm-hmm. and it's all being given in the context of a a Hercule Poirot style murder on the enterprise (laughs) express murder mystery, which I'm totally into and B that it's all, that it's all about how do you find common ground between these two delegations of very, very different cultures (laughs) and how do you transport them safely without them murdering each other to a, to a neutral point? Like it's all about diplomacy. Do you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I, I was like, Oh, I get it. Again,
0: wild that that is the b story and the a story is that there's an energy sphere that uh flies into everybody's body and makes them have swagger <laughs> i don't really know what the purpose of the energy sphere I was but that's who killed engineer sing oh yeah i just remember, don't you remember picard like all of a sudden puffing up his chest and walking in front of the view screen and then he like sits down in his ready room and they're like i need to know is picard in there and he just goes he is here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both here. Oh, it's so creepy. I love any, all of my favorite track episodes are the ones where somebody gets, uh, you know, infested with some alien entity where they're still kind of themselves, but they're also someone else because I just love seeing these incredible actors, these award-winning, you know, stage and screen stars just turn on the weird arch charm and like, do bizarre posturing and yeah
2: yeah Ugh, I, I mean i i think that you you touched on it there at both of you because that that should have been the a story right <laughs> energy sphere always just no like anyone pitches in the room how about an energy sphere comes in? it's like no more energy spheres no more clouds of light no more no more bizarre portals
1: in space like, no more me, big santa claus heads <laughs> that they were very curious creatures. Q is the, the best
2: version of the super duper omnipotent alien of, the, of many that showed up in Star Trek through the years because he's obsessed with humanity, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously mm-hmm. the, that makes the, the show very solipsistic because why would this, in, you know, this interdimensional, you know, super powered creature care, right? But that's what we care about. And when... Like I don't remember that energy sphere at all, but I remember these we- these weird made up characters embodying something str- strange. I guess I don't. It's hard for me to put my finger on, but it's like, even though this <laughs> oh, this was a talking dog, there was a humanity to this moment. <laughs> it was character. Do you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. char- that's character, and what I think yeah. they figured out, not just because of this episode, but over time, was. It's always about character. It's always about point of view, at least the ones that I think are the most powerful. Um, it's always like when, when when a character gets subverted in a way that you love, Tawny, like taken over or or shifted or made, you know, turn, you know, just a little bit off kilter in a certain way. That's a reflection of those characters that they're building. The, ba- the best conflicts are between, you know, cultural viewpoints where you understand why the other person feels that way. That's a really interesting big animal to eat. You know, I get it. You know, <laughs> that's where I felt like, and, and that's, and I think to what you said, Paul, is like they, they created a world of characters that you felt very comfortable in by the end mm. of the seven seasons. It was not just about, well, there's an energy sphere. What are we going to do about that? You know, and that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. got to deal with this energy sphere. It's like, no, you have to deal with the dog and snake people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These should have been two episodes.
2: There should have that should have been a two episode arc. I don't. Hang on, I got to look who look up who wrote that one because I got to give
1: them props, John. While you're looking oh, yeah. that up, I have a question. I I'm sure you can answer right away. Uh, you've done live versions of your podcast, Judge John Hodgman, many times. Yes. Uh, and you wear judges robes. You have a gavel. The whole deal. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, think I, I, I love do. when
0: friends are on here talking to each other. Ha-
1: have you yes. tried have you or have you tried or are you going to when live shows are a thing again? Asked for people to provide or cosplay so themselves the, as the Q, the Q judges. The Q judges. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's
2: it's what I want. It's I mean, I want that very badly. I Why want a has set this of not happened? Well, you know,
1: <laughs> I've put a before, before a couple of sketch fests, I have put out the call to listeners. sketch fest is a uh, is a comedy festival that happens in San Francisco every January. Uh, that's been going for I think twenty years now, at least. Um, and uh, John and Tawny and myself have all performed there in various shows over the years, and it's a uh, it's a great time. It's a great time,
2: and. we will do a live judge john hodgman show there and the past couple of years i have put out a call to listeners if there's anyone who has access to an existing or are willing to make the Q judges robes here are my sizes Mm. and i don't reveal my sizes often no wait this is the only this is the only path you've explored to getting this this costume well what other path is there i mean they don't they don't make one to sell they don't make they one don't to make sell. They don't make one
0: to sell. But John, I think your chances just went up by about four uh, thousand by being on so. this Trek podcast because we have four thousand because... listeners.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maximum. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, mean to, I mean, to say. Now, look, Paul you, you you are you are someone that when a sartorial goal mm-hmm. glimmers in your eye, <laughs> you meet it. You if you have a if you have a look that you want. Mm-hmm. You are gonna find a way to get that look tailored, mm-hmm. milled, haberdashed, whatever it is,
1: John, you Absolutely. have caught me out for being a hypocrite. You're entirely right because I have outsourced things to the internet uh in in my in my clothing goals,
2: but also professionals like you know they're, they're i uh, i don't I don't know this the story behind every one of your suits and suit jackets, but all from the internet all I ask people to design me. <laughs> I, I just, all I'm saying is, wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Now I'm going to say, I'm going to, what I'm trying to say is I'm lazy, right? I get the idea that I would like to wear cute judge's robes. Mm-hmm. I, I make a couple of, uh, a couple of stabs at finding, sourcing the judge's robes right. and seeing if anybody has them. If it doesn't come back uh, right away, I kind of just let it go. Mm-hmm. and move on to the next thing. Right. So yes, I have thought about it year after year after year. I've made a few attempts. Now, that said, I'll cop to being lazy, but I do not think... I, I, will, would, not, this, this I will not accept this abuse I, for I, trying honestly. to crowdsource it because if there's any... <laughs> because they're, they don't... This is not a popular costume. It's not something that is made for sale. I do not have access to the original <laughs> costume, although perhaps that could be arranged. And... Uh, <laughs>
0: Now you I don't want the know. original costume? I don't what's like, saying I, he, where else am he I gonna saying he's, get it. He would
1: settle for the original where costume. <laughs> John, where John, else am I going getting
0: overlooking the obvious. There are so many cosplayers, That's there are what so I'm many saying. talented people and they're all listening to this right now. So make your ask, man. This, you, this okay. is your platform. All right.
1: Look. Make your ask to be directed to Etsy. <laughs> 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 I was. You're not helping. (laughs) I'm trying to get John a direct line. I'm trying to get him to shop
0: the local as local as possible. I'm being like like Q. (sighs) (laughs)
1: Uh, Look, (laughs) Q humans, you refuse to look at Etsy. What is it now? Q? And I'm being like a fucking Ferengi. I'm like, please just ask
0: someone to make you a thing and give them some money for it. And I don't. We'll understand. be done. I don't
2: understand. Are you accusing me
1: of not searching
2: for for this costume?
1: No, I'm saying All? the way to. Do, I think we're both saying the way to do it is not like, hey, I have to do this show in a couple days. <laughs> do you? Anybody got one of these lying around? No, but also I would say
2: <laughs> if anyone wants to make one, I would pay. Uh, you know, right. but I just didn't. It was not a concerted effort. Right. So. <laughs>
0: All I'm saying is that this is the this is the best shot you've got right here because yeah, this is where yeah. all the folks are going to be listening, right. and they make cool things. I've seen them all over the internet. So I'm not accusing your past efforts of being lazy.
1: Nor am so I. I'm saying by the that
0: way. you have a you have a t- you have a chance to turn things around right now.
1: Okay.
2: You're at a crossroads, so- John. You're at a crossroads. <laughs> let me let me say let me say to the listeners. Let me say this to the listeners. It was a
0: long road getting from there to here, but here we go.
2: All right. Look straight down the barrel. <laughs> On screen. Hello, (laughs) listeners. John Hodgman here of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Right now, we are not able to do live shows. So uh, I am taking this time of hibernation to ask any of you to consider this humble request for some future. No pressure. Who knows what the timeline is? (laughs) For some future event, which I hope will be sooner rather than later, I would love to take the stage. In the full judge's robes costume, as worn by John Delancey as Q, in both season one episode one, encounter at Farpoint, and season seven episodes the final two twenty six uh, the the series finale all all good things seven. parts one and two, or I'm in both. If any one of you is a is a cosplayer who would like to be paid a reasonable amount. <laughs> Please contact me Hodgman at maximumfund.org. that goes directly to me. Wow. If you are if you are worried about buying material, I am 5'10 and I don't think you need to know anything else because those robes cover a lot. I don't yeah, know what John ro- DeLancey They're robes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know my glove size or my my weird judge's <laughs> hat
0: size.
1: Glove
2: size.
0: <laughs> what about your weird scuba head? Uh, you're, under the you're crown. Snood, you're
1: snood. <laughs> I think I think I'm, yeah. I think. You know,
2: uh, you're I think I'm one size fits all in the snood department. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, I would lo- I would love for this to happen, and I would love to honor the listeners of Star Trek: The Pod Directive with my great thanks from the stage whenever that is possible in the future. So please, if this is something you're interested in, this is a dream you're interested in making true, contact me at Hodgman <laughs> at maximum fun.org. I would probably ask to see some of some samples of your work. <laughs> 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 no, you got to
1: screen them. Yeah. You got to screen. Them. Yeah. I would like to. Yeah. If your previous experience is only making costumes for dogs, mm, going yeah. to have to, going to have to pass. I'm afraid I'm going to- Show me the biggest dog you make a costume for. I'll consider it. Show me the tallest dog. Yeah. Well, look, if you... I'm talking Pyrenees, great Pyrenees and up.
2: Yeah. If your experience is only making costumes for, what are the dog people called again? Antikins. Uh, Antikins, uh-huh. Those are bipedal dog creatures. That that might work, actually. Mm-hmm. Give that a try. If, you, if yeah. you've made some some judges, cute judges robes for Antikins, let me know. <laughs>
0: And, John, to circle back to your earlier question, to save you having to look it up, uh, that episode, Lonely Among Us, was written by D.C. Fontana, C. who is Fontana. a Trek writing legend. legend. She also wrote Encounter at Farpoint with Gene right. Roddenberry. Right. She co-wrote it, and she wrote one of my favorite episodes of Deep Space Nine, Dax, where Dax is on trial for uh, a murder of her pr- one of her previous hosts may have committed. Very... Ethical quandary type mm-hmm.
2: episode. DC Fontana coming through with the big ideas, the big ideas that are that are expressed through character. That's the that's yep. That's uh, that's my Star Trek. DC
0: Fontana, she loved big ideas and she loved dog snake conundrums.
1: <laughs> that's what DC stands for. Dog snake conundrums.
0: <laughs> dog snake is one that's word right. here.
1: Dog slash snake, oh. like face slash off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: John, what are you dying to tell us? <laughs> what's something about Star Trek that you're like, if they don't ask me about this, I
2: will explode? You mean there's something that I know something about Star Trek that perhaps you don't? <laughs> no, I don't know. You could. You could. John, or, what uh, secrets uh, are something? you
1: hiding from us?
0: Yeah, why won't you tell us?
1: <laughs>
0: uh, or no, if there is if there's something in like the Trek universe that that you wish that they would explore that they haven't explored yet or or something that you would love to see happen. Um
2: yeah, I don't know. What what's your what's your big dream? I feel like the the writers throughout all of the different series and episodes have done such a clever job of both expanding the universe while also exploring the the established universe and lore. You know, I I'd love to see the Cilean and Antikin's back again. They never came back. They kind of got blown off, yeah. except you say that they're in a lower decks episode or referred to in a lower decks. Episode. No,
0: people thought they were, including myself, when I first saw right. the lower decks animatic for that episode. They're in uh, uh, creatures like them are in episode uh, nine, and everyone went, "Hey, are those the those guys again?" And Mike McMahon was like, "Nope."
1: <laughs> it's a thing that's only come up a few times in the in the world of Trek. The idea of checking back on these worlds that you've you know interacted with and kind of left to their own devices the two the two ones i i can think of off the top of my head are uh Wrath of Khan <laughs> which yeah. is like, mm-hmm. Hey, we put you on this planet. It's like, yeah, and then you never check back to see what <laughs> happened. <laughs> and uh in lower decks, um, there was an episode in the in the first season, right? Where uh yeah, it, episode ten. Yeah, where it's like we never check back on this race of people to see how they were doing and it's not going great. <laughs> um
0: Yeah.
2: They went back to worshiping the dang
0: computer yes, again. That's we right. go back that's to the, the uh yeah. <laughs> the uh uh The Archon. Uh, the Archons, yeah. Archons, yeah.
2: Yeah, like Star Star Trek status check. That would be a good. That would be a good side. Yeah, yeah. like. Side are you guys mission. still
0: good? You still uphold upholding the ideals of the Federation yes. we gave you? Oh no, you're Follow murdering ups. each other with sides again. Right. Dang it. That's
1: its own <laughs> series. Is the follow-up crew <laughs> who yeah. has to go back? You have all you use all the original scripts of all the series, right? Right, right. <laughs> and you say, okay, now write a new story about these guys. Uh, we're going back to check on them and see what's going on.
2: Yeah, and also they're there to deliver a customer satisfaction survey. <laughs> <Like we've- laughs> I mean,
0: that's literally kind of lower decks. Like right. no spoilers for second season, but we do vis- You know that that's been part of the thing. Like we revisit these places that no one's checked up yeah. on, and there are like. There is like paperwork to fill out. Of like, <laughs> how are you doing? Are you thriving? Are you using the subspace communicator? Are you not using it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but John, on your on your podcast, you deal with if people haven't heard the Judge John Hodgman podcast, is like you are settling disputes for people. Yes, um, they write in with various disputes that they have uh, a wide range of topics and uh, and and you know really stretching the limit of what a dispute is. Um, <laughs> In it depends cases. on how
2: badly they want to be on a podcast.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, but in it, you—it's a very fun show to listen to. Thank you. Uh, some of the the disputes are just bonkers, um, but you always end up giving an extremely thoughtful response, no matter what the no matter what the 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 dispute is. That's that's kind of you to say. Well, I think I think that it's true. I think, I think you yeah. you take it very seriously, and you um as much fun as the show is. Like you do, you don't just blow off anything and say, I like this person better. So you win, you know, Um, you, you really do give uh, the proper weight to each side of the, of whatever the argument is.
2: Like, and to give listeners an idea of what the disputes are, like a lot, a lot of them tend to be, you know, roommates or, or spouses or partners having disputes over how to tuck in the sheets, right. Or, you know, when to turn, like whether or not to get an air conditioner, then there are more <laughs> sort of philosophical ones like is a, to, you know, two, two college buddies who have long had a dispute over whether a machine gun counts as a robot, uh, uh who, which, which of these two old friends should, uh, who, who, who bought a mechanical giraffe together, a toy. And now they're moving across the country from each other. Who should get custody of the mechanical giraffe? That was a hard, that was a heartbreaker. <laughs> that
0: is, that's a tough one. Uh, but and it's- so
2: some of them are silly. Something like the, the one that we heard in uh, recently in a live show. Uh, a married couple, and the woman wanted her husband to promise to dispatch her if she were to become a vampire. Oh. And he said, "No, I love you too much, and I would." I oh. would live with you even though you were
1: a vampire. Wow. I mean, if that's if that's an option, then <laughs> there's no issue, but <laughs> they're fam- that famously is not an option.
2: No, some of them are more hypothetical <laughs> is the point. But even in that one, I mean, this is this is what I mean, this is part of part of next generation, right? Like s- mm-hmm. sto- story illuminates character. Conflict doesn't exist unless there are there are human reasons behind why they're having this fight. And so a lot of the Judge John Hodgman podcast is me asking questions to find out how serious they are and why why this dispute is a dispute in their lives, you know and what's how they really feel about what's going on. you know.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: even the most ridiculous arguments, especially in you know couples, there has, there is another dimension to it that is worth hearing. Unless they're just messing around and they want to be on a podcast they ginned up some dispute that has no meaning, mm. in which case I hang up on them. <laughs> Ooh,
0: I like that. You need there to be stakes. I lo- yeah, yeah, you know, they're all to be a even little the bit silliest
2: like... ones are, are genuine for the most part. So you try yeah. to figure out what's what's actually going on in the you know, why why were you eating dinner for nine hours? Well, I have to tell you it was a very large and interesting animal. I'm like, oh, I understand your
1: culture better <laughs> now. <laughs> Uh, no. But at the end of these when you give these uh you you give your your judgment it is a very uh you know trekky and sort of moment where you are you're kind of summing up the episode and what the central the central question has been right. and trying to reason yeah. it out and come to the most uh the most human conclusion that's definitely something that I think I took away from Picard like
2: Picard was always like, here's the moral principle at stake in this dispute between the guy who's got a forehead like this and the guy who's got a forehead like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> how do you keep that moral principle in balance? And how do, you, how do you decide what is the right thing to do? And sometimes the right thing to do, I guess, is to just wear a cool leather jacket and put some bronzer on and take off your communicator yeah. and just go full insurrection.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Push a lady off an invisible, uh, uh, a decloaked ship. Yeah. Just shove her right into the lake <laughs> to save her. I forgot about That's that. That's my favorite part. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, no, you're in danger. Let me shove you roughly two or three stories down into a lake of questionable depth. <laughs> Donna Murphy. Wasn't that Donna Murphy? Oh, my gosh. Was it? I got to rewatch Wow. Yes. Donna Murphy was like... The hot young love interest in that, wow. in that movie, and she's fantastic.
2: But you know, I was I was listening to your episode where you interviewed the incredible Stacey Abrams, and I was struck by one thing she said about one of the things that attracted her to the Next Generation was um, the rig- the she used the term rigor, and I think that it, w- it was in the context of you know Jean Luc Picard and the whole family believe very strongly in the principles of Starfleet, understanding that they can be flawed, right? Mm-hmm. And, but that there, that there are moral principles beside, behind them and that there are ways to to settle disputes within the context, peacefully, within the context of these moral principles. And the moral principles can be interrogated, they can be subverted, they can be acknowledged for being problematic, you learn and you grow, but the very optimistic, I mean, we always talk about how optimistic Star Trek is in, in in its most optimistic forms. And I think TNG is really it, right? Where it's like, you are watching a people, you are watching a group of people who are, who are dedicated to establishing a set of principles and fairness, and they deviate from that. Their adherence to those principles is more important than the short term needs of the moment. And that's really Mm -hmm. something that particularly now feels weirdly alien, you know, as we look at our own governing systems, the idea that we may disagree, but we agree on a set of aspirational principles and we're going to work towards them. Even when we fail, we are not going to throw them out or I'm not going to misuse them or pretend that they're garbage or act and destroy Mm. those principles in order to gain power
1: for its own sake.
2: And I think that's really important. I agree. I
1: agree. I think it's the hardest thing. Of I course, also agree. To, I also agree with me. <laughs> the hardest thing, of course, is uh, agreeing on what those aspirational principles are in the first place. And well, of course, you know, that's, that's the, uh, that's the, the, you know, the utopian future that we're supposedly working towards.
2: <laughs> that's what that's no, of we want to Starfleet yeah. is corrupt in a million different ways. But the other thing that <laughs> I think Stacey Abrams pointed out that I hadn't thought about really with regard to Janeway, Captain Janeway and Voyager is that, She's trying to present leadership and principles without any structural backup, without mm-hmm. anyone who has her back. There is no there is no no one there to enforce what she says other than her moral example. You know, she doesn't I even mean? have and to I, wear
1: a uniform if she doesn't want to. Like who's yet, gonna know? Who's, and yet and yet she know. does.
2: <laughs> yeah. How did they feel I don't remember how it ended. Did they get back? Did they get the new they got back? Did, did they get the new uniforms with the gray turtlenecks under the black uh I don't think they did
0: switch to the Greys. I might be mistaken on that, but I here's don't know what. The, oh,
2: here's the here's the one that I want. This is what I want.
1: I want the episode. Ooh, this, now we're talking about uniforms. John comes alive. Uh, this
2: is the this is what's missing for me. This is what's missing for me. The episode, like we all know about, who takes care of the gardens at Starfleet Academy? That's like right. Boothby, Boothby, Boothby. Oh, Boothby. Look, Boothby. I love gardens, but who in Starfleet is designing these uniforms? What is going on? <laughs> oh, oh what a great
1: character that would be.
0: <laughs> you know, it's a Neelix type. It's some kind of, you know, or like his counterpart on Enterprise, Homeboy, Dr. Dr. Phlox. Is that his Dr. name? Dr. Phlox. Mm-hmm. On Enterprise yep. the Doctor. Yep. Uh, I know they're not the same species, but in my mind, they, they think kind there's of a lot of overlap of similar there. Clock. A lot of overlap. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's a guy like that, you know, it because it, it's not like a Garrick. It's not like a Deep Space Nine Taylor <laughs> who's actually a spy. It's, right. It's like a, a, a dude who's who just wants to, like, make a thing and be helpful.
2: Oh, I mean, I just uh, like w- w- when do they decide? Yeah, we need to update the look like we've had. We've had these uniforms for like four years now. Let's make completely different uniforms.
1: Now, this is why Tim Gunn needs to be cast as an alien on Discovery.
0: Oh my gosh, yes. Whoa. He'd make a great Vulcan. Imagine Tim Gunn is a Vulcan. As he, yes, a
1: Vulcan, cost, a Vulcan uniform Vulcan, designer? Vulcan uniform designer.
0: <laughs> make it happen. Make it Discovery so.
1: writers Make room. it so. Make it so. <laughs> hey, John, thank you so much for joining us. This was a delight. Paul, Tawny,
2: what a pleasure to see you both. Kendra and- A pleasure to see you. Kevin, it was great to see you before you took your cameras off uh that's uh, that was a choice i admire it paul i'm sorry anytime anyone asks me about judge john hodgman podcast this is something i really need to work on i can never remember a single case never like i cannot it's like they're you did great I, it's just like like those, yeah those are like among the first four cases we ever did that's like right 10 years ago right i have right, right. to mm-hmm. i have to build a uh, just drill myself on on three or four really good
1: exemplars. Just put some put some in your notes app. You know what I mean. Just have put it there. Put some in my notes app. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Because if oh, you go yeah. back yeah, and like just look at the titles or descriptions, you'll remember some stuff. Yeah, I know the ones that jump out heard. at you. I but you did I, great. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't obvious to us that you <laughs> okay. that I was flailing. <laughs> no it
0: sounded like oh these are three fun ones he remembers and talks about all the time so uh
1: good i think it's
2: great all right well that's all i got paul will you say hi to Janie for me
1: i will say hi to Janie, and and uh we really do appreciate you i'm sure you must be exhausted from driving down from maine and uh thank you so much for making the time
2: oh no of course it's my pleasure yeah no anytime thank you
1: Well, there you have it. That was John Hodgman, exactly as fun and silly and delightful as we promised. He's a, he's a good friend. It was really exciting to have him on the show and, and chat with him. It was, that was neat. Yes. It's like you don't often get to do things like that with friends.
0: Yeah, I like that. I've, that's been some of my favorite parts of this um, Zoom podcasting world is that at least we get to see friends, despite his distaste for Zoom, which he mentioned. But... Uh,
1: You know, I know, but look, what are we gonna do? We gotta be in our little rectangles, we gotta
0: be in our little rectangles, we gotta be in our little Brady bunches and our little uh, our little squares. You know,
1: I'm never coming out, by the way, I'm staying in.
0: Did you just disappear into the machine? Like, (laughs) 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 you now only exist in Zoom.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah you're not seeing me in my home right now you're seeing i'm just in the screen i've constructed this behind me uh-huh. uh, to make myself feel less alone but it does not go beyond this rectangle
0: great i, I i'm here for it I mean,
1: <laughs> it's fine <Great>. by me <laughs> cool cool man I, i'm glad what hey whatever turns you on not hey, out. you
0: know what whatever whatever gets <laughs> you to maximum warp but right
1: man oh. <laughs> hey
0: you do you you do you engage all right we're gonna get out of here because this is getting well (laughs)
1: ridiculous (laughs) but thank you for listening as always please do uh uh subscribe and share the podcast and let people know write us a review that that actually i know you hear that a lot on podcasts but it really does help from what we are told now see that's the thing people are telling us this we don't know but apparently if you write a review yeah you know you study yeah. those
0: optics, those metrics? Yeah, yeah. S- search engine I'm optimization, right. you know? The more people are talking about a thing, it boosts it in the algorithm, you know?
1: Oh, SEO, of
0: course. SEO speed So there wagon. you go. <laughs> SEO speed <wagon laughs> us right to the top keep of the podcast you. chart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Somebody who knows, half of us know. <laughs> um so yeah, do uh, if if you think of it please do that and tell, tell a friend about the podcast. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Star Trek the Pod Directive. Until then, you know what to do.
0: You better live long and you better prosper. Do them both.